Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Changing Realities. Welcome one, welcome all. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Um, for all of you who may be new to the show, Changing Reality is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are in essence changing their own reality. And through this show, we'll be able to hang out with people from different fields, different industries, game changers, industry leaders, and people from all kinds of roles. So through the show, you'll be very lucky with the uh, well, I guess I am to hang out and interview and speak to social change makers, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, business owners, to even artists and musicians and inspiring individuals from all across the world, from all walks of life, who many have uh, actually spent time here on the Penn campus as well. And by hearing their inspiring stories on how they're changing their reality, we hopefully will be able to learn from their experiences and pick up little nuggets of wisdom that we can use in our own lives to set the paths that we want for ourselves too. And I wanted to do this show simply because I feel like there are a lot of people out there who do phenomenal things and make waves in the lives of people around them. And I'm super passionate about learning how they're changing the world in their own capacity, because I believe that these stories, these experiences that they share are the foundations for us to be able to change our own worlds too. And to show you how much I believe in the power of stories, how much it's actually changed my life, I actually personally founded um, a youth movement uh, called Ascendance, which started off back in Malaysia, which is where I'm from. But over the last seven years, Ascendance actually grew to collaborating with our Malaysian Ministry of Education, 28 different countries across the world, to even large MNCs and nonprofits across the world. And our vision is to help any student who wants to change their reality. So we work with students from elementary all the way up to college through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover who they are, learn about themselves and the world around them. And through experiences, meaningful experiences of getting this hands-on participation, come back and use those experiences to start their own careers while they're still in school. That creates impact not just for themselves, but for those around them as well. And to date, we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in 970 communities and have incubated countless number of student-run projects, social enterprises, and so much more run by students aged 8 to 25 years old. And the essence behind of this, the reason we've been able to do so, is because of kind individuals who take their time to share their experiences, share their stories, so that we can shorten our learning curves. And just like that, I hope that this session's Changing Reality itself as a show is that same platform for all of you watching, that you can learn from these experiences and use them to actually figure out what you love doing, learn about yourself, do seeing them mirrored in different people's lives, and hopefully figure out what path is right for you. So that's about the show. If you have any questions, you can let us know in the chat below, and we'll try to address as many topics as you guys want to talk about as possible. But today we have someone who is truly amazing. She is currently leading a cross-functional team to create Microsoft Teams customer care product vision, who has a multi-year roadmap strategy and V1 project. So this amazing speaker that we have today, prior to her current role, actually led uh, a portfolio of Kubernetes, a low-code application service for Microsoft Azure, uh, and own uh, and which actually own a 500 million profit and loss for a Microsoft product. 
So she defines the vision, business, and product strategy, incubates and launch early to growth phase products using cutting edge technologies, and leads worldwide go to market for a portfolio of products that experience exponential growth during her leadership. Even prior to her time at Microsoft, she worked as a stra uh, in strategy, product, and marketing as a lead across multiple Fortune 500 companies and startups, as well as uh, she is someone who actually holds an MBA from the Wharton Business School. So she spent some time on our campus as well and was certified in product innovation from Wharton's executive education program. So without further ado, let's bring on to our virtual screen the amazing Stella to share her journey with us of how she went from someone here at the Wharton campus to someone leading uh, an entire industry or entire subsection of services at one of the world's largest tech companies. So let's welcome Stella. Hello, hi Stella, how are you? Hi everyone. I hope that we didn't catch you on too busy of a day. Is your morning going all right? Yes, yes, this is actually my second meeting. It's uh, 10 a.m. So I had a, a, a actually two meetings already in the in the role, but uh, very happy to be here. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're someone who I think is absolutely amazing. You do so many amazing things um, at Microsoft, even like as an individual, just curating the sales, the product, the different dimensions of something and really seeing it come to reality. So I'm very excited to hear about your journey and where you started. So to just flash back before we step into the amazing things that you do now, I'm so curious, were you this confident leader that we see today? Or how were you like when you were like many of us watching as a student, like uh, prior to your time, even prior to your time at Penn, back when you were studying your bachelor's degree, back when you were, I think, in Beijing, which is where you're from. How were you like as a person, as a student? And did you think that this would be the way that your life turned out? Um, I would not say uh, I'm not the kind of person who can envision like 10 years down the road. Like I sometimes make plans, but absolutely like I didn't start with uh, even for like speaking the public, like um, in a professional environment or whatnot. I have not, I'm definitely not the natural kind of confident person uh, at all. Um, it, the, the, the building blocks really comes down to, I would say, um, family educations, how I got encouraged by my family um, and how um, gradually in your career stage or whatnot, throughout your career stages, you get encouragement from um, different uh, kind of environments, your mentors, your you have achievements and you get kind of like uh, get through that. Um, one of the pivot point is actually, I think we briefly discussed this even when we are chatting uh, on the side, is um, actually in Wharton. I was a very shy, a relatively shy student, um, um, kind of uh, when I first year at Wharton. Um, I purposely actually put my name tag, put my real name on my name tag, which is very hard to pronounce for uh, English speaking uh, uh, people, right? Like it's Ling Feng Xiaoyu, it's really hard to pronounce for uh, like uh, English speaking. If you're not Chinese, it's hard. And I purposely put it there just because I don't want to get co called. Um, but like I had a pivotal moment, <laughs> I had a pivotal moment uh, almost like towards the end of my first year. By the way, I'm, uh, I had an amazing first year and through various kind of like networking and classes and all the opportunities. But somehow down there, I was like, okay, I um, I want to make a change. Um, 
it's kind of like coming from internal motives that I want to make a change and and actually made purposefully made a goal, kind of a, almost like a daily or a kind of a regular goal for myself in a sense that I want to actually speak every single class. I want to grasp at least one opportunity to speak up. Um, like at least I'll raise my hand. Like whether the professor call me or not, that's a, right? Like if they they, they they don't kind of call you, like in a, you cannot control. But if you actually, I just at least want to raise one hand, um, my hand at least once per class. Um, and I figure that um, my logic of thinking, like when um, a lot of Asian people, when we when we speak, we want to make sure there's some substance when we are speaking. Like we we actually the one that actually has some contribution. Therefore, we want to speak out our ideas. Um, but in reality, a lot of people, a lot of um, I would say like people born and raising the states, for example, they are naturally kind of like expressing their ideas, even. It's just a question. It's just a like kind of a fact, and without any kind of addition, it could be like or, or there's more value to it. But the, the muscle of doing that, I slowly gather that through that once per class kind of opportunity. Um, I started to kind of say, hey, like lay out the facts, and here's my a little bit of addition may or may not work, or ask a question. Uh, then slowly, I found the skills can be built. And you can somehow detach yourself from kind of your shell inner self, a shy inner self. Like you can detach it uh, from there and really kind of like start to build up your confidence. Of course, later on, the real confidence comes from achievements, uh, come from acknowledgement, come from a lot of the success and failures uh, that you feel like comfortable going through failures. Um, that confidence is through experience and time. Um, it's no easy job. I feel like everyone is, like today, even today, if you ask me to get on a stage in front of some people, I will still be nervous, right? I will need to practice. I need to kind of like, just get into the flow of speaking 10 minutes before the speech. Um, there are a lot of like little tips that can help you um, to build up your confidence like that uh, for those occasions. But the, the real confidence really coming from experiences and your internal motive that want to have a change. Amazing. Absolutely brilliant. And you are someone who had so many extremely, I would say, out of this world experiences, even prior to your time at Wharton, um, later, like moving into the career world. Let's talk a little bit about kind of like your journey to Wharton and the things that you did before that. Uh, you studied economics in your bachelor's degree, which is uh, very impressive, very, very smart people subject, as I say. And um, you also had uh, some time where you actually traveled after that, if I'm not mistaken. So you went in New Zealand, you went in different parts of the world. Tell us a bit about those early experiences that you had and how they formed you as a person. Yeah, Wharton definitely made a bet on me. They even gave me a scholarship to make sure that I can afford the uh, <laughs> afford a tuition. So um, I'm definitely not a typical kind of like uh, recruitment for, for Wharton. I, I was very young. Like most Wharton uh, MBA students are at least five years into their career. I only have like three years at that time. And uh, so I'm definitely not a typical recruitment, but I'm, I'm really grateful. Uh, um, so I think the journey to Wharton comes down to, again, a couple of things, family education, internal motives, and the opportunity that I present to you. So um, I would say very early in my childhood, I know for a fact I'm not going to be in China forever. 
Um, by the way, I, I came from Shanghai, not Beijing. Beijing is where I go to. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, yeah, so I know very early on that I won't be in China um, for for forever. I definitely want to. I'm a person that really loves all options and really loves like kind of the like exploration and sometimes new environment actually triggers some learnings for me. So I really actually was very sure that I need to study abroad or work abroad. Um, so that kind of like it just like in my vein for 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 the time being I have memory. <laughs> so that um so like um that's very true. And then I started my journey when I it was uh, even in the middle school. I was exchange student to UK. At that time, I was like, oh, that even confirms my kind of like um, decision to actually study and uh, be abroad. I believe it or not, I actually. I actually won some prizes for English literature in Britain. I was like weird among the older British students. <laughs> anyways, uh, and I'm a basketball uh, champion uh, player. Like, uh, anyways, it's a very different life that kind of like almost like opens different perspectives. That really confirms my hypothesis that an environment change can give me new perspective, uh, explore new aspects of life and whatnot. Um, and then the second trip I made is to New Zealand, uh, as we briefly chat. Um, New Zealand is actually a confidence building kind of exercise for me. So like, I know nobody there. Like, it's not that like I have family there. Like, I just kind of randomly picked up English speaking country and of course, safe country um, and then go there. And I was uh, supposed to be there for a couple of weeks, but because my father, my, my parents pay for I, I, I was only like probably like 21. Like I don't have any money to, to uh, savings or whatnot. My parents paying for my flights, um, like a few weeks kind of accommodation. But I decided to stay longer than um, uh, decided to stay longer than I originally planned. And what I did is I actually got an illegal job. <laughs> yeah. it, it is illegal, but meaning like they are paying you cash. They are not getting you to the system at all, right? Like it's not like I'm getting illegal money. Like, um, so I worked for a Mexican restaurant as a dishwasher. Uh, and I got promoted one month after as a cashier uh, because like the, 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 man, the, the, uh, the owner really likes me like being like kind of really working hard or whatnot. I get, ca I get, I get cash. So I work one week and I take one week off to travel. Um, so that was an amazing experience that I can live on my own, like even just like the very basic lifestyle, but I can live on my own. And I felt like that was so amazing. So um, that gave me a little bit of confidence that one, regardless of the uh, circumstances, as long as you can cope with it and find new joy, uh, explore new aspects, that you can you can live a very fruitful life and by the way during that new zealand trip i actually uh, volunteered to build elderly library i was really literally just walking past a church and i was seeing there tidying up the the backyard or whatnot i was just like i was just curious like hey uh i'm a traveler here and i would like to help i have time i have like i have labor <laughs> uh, i'm healthy i can help with labor and then i just started to help with them tidy up things and then i noticed that they the, it, that church is for um it's a it's not only a church it's an institution um they they're um they basically are looking for ways to uh, kind of like accommodate elderly and i was raising some campaigns for them like getting flyers out getting a little bit of website out for them to build up a library collect books it's not i don't have books right i need to collect books and get the word out and 
are building up a library for them. That that was amazing. That was like um those those like outlets remind me of my grandparents in a way that I want to kind of make sure they have a kind of like meaningful like second half of their life, right? So um that was my kind of like second trip uh, uh, to from from China to to New Zealand. Um, Wharton uh, and US is really my uh, third trip from an international kind of trip perspective. Um, I like the Wharton uh, application. I was um, I was being very very kind of like intentional in some. I, I, I like okay. And yeah, you have to have two or three years experience. You cannot go before that, right? Like otherwise, you don't have any questions. You don't have any. Your gain is going to be limited. So um, I started with. Um, Nestle as a management trainee in a sense that you you have a taste of all the different um, kind of like functionalities like sales, marketing, strategy, even R&D and get to a point if you're um, a good performer, you're going to get promoted to executive. So after I got promoted to executive, um, I decided to kind of apply for MBA and Wharton actually is my top choice. I didn't apply for Harvard and Stanford. My line of thinking is that um, since I was so young compared to other MBAs, I want to actually learn from people who are relatively older than me um, and kind of I want to be in top school. My, 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 my philosophy is if I cannot get to top seven, I will not be I will not do an MBA. Yeah, yeah I was very I was very determined. I actually get uh, uh, two offers in total and one waste listed. I will not tell, I will not say which one got me waitlisted, <laughs> but it, um, but anyway, I think they, they were listed because I, I only three years experience, not five. But anyway, so Wharton was a surprise. I remember that was like December 18th. I used, uh, I, I used that as in, in my bank kind of password. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, I kind of got into Wharton, um, really enjoyed two years at Wharton. Um, but yeah, I think I go. I, I went ahead of your questions, so stop me yeah. anytime. Question that I should, yeah. I, I I really like how you explain all those experiences, and I think like sharing all three was, was just like shows that the amount you've grown from one to another. Many people are afraid to travel by themselves, whether it's for education, whether it's for experience, whether it's just for fun. Like they're afraid to travel by themselves to, especially somewhere very far away. Um, and if they are not afraid, I think their families are afraid to let students travel away uh, by themselves. What What do you think were the biggest benefits that all of this international exposure had on you? You went to the UK, you went to New Zealand, you eventually went to the US. Did that have an effect on you growing up, kind of like being able to go to a different place and absorb their culture and learn from them? Yeah, so um, I think a different environment, different culture, different history have bearing and have bearings on how people behave, what they think, and how they act. Um, so once you travel more, I have traveled to almost 40 countries so far. Um, once you travel more, you start to make connections. You find like in every country, you can find things you like, you dislike, you learn you meet new people and you've kind of like um if it's just travel that's a different story but if you get to a new place for living you start to find your sweet spot your positioning like how you actually can make the best out of that place right like and if it's for travel you start to learn things that you will never learn and have some of the aha moments in your life for example i started to find 
two very different geographies, very far away, like two countries, they start to have similarities a thousand years ago. So like you can start to find like the way they do their arts, the way they kind of like worship gods. They're starting to tell you, you start to observe similarities that's not documented in, in any human history. You start to have those aha moments that just transcend time and um, space. So that's kind of the like kind of the, the beauty of it. And then um, also kind of I love photography. Uh, I'm happy to share my uh, like kind of like album. Like um, I just like I like to take people uh, portrait, but it's not real the formal portrait. I love to take photos of um, people in their daily life uh, when they have emotions. Um, and you can feel like, um, although um, the places, in the, the areas are very different, They're, they have very different surfaces, but there are some common threads you can find, whether it's through a history observation or people's emotion or whatnot, you start to find very grounded that you're observing some essence of life. So. Um, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I was amazed by the differences, but in the meantime, I feel also thrilled to find some common threads in humanity through travel. Um, that's what travel gives me. Like, and I, I think if you talk to a person that travel a lot versus have relatively kind of like being within their own country or whatnot, the conversation is very different. You can just have so many more things to discuss. Um, of course, like uh, other, uh, like for for me, like I'm not a very kind of like for I, I don't know how to uh, I don't I don't ski very well. I don't ski like skateboard. Like I, I don't think I I'm not I, I don't know how to kind of like really ski very well. So like there are people who are diving or whatnot. I'm not a very kind of those type of person, right? So maybe they have those conversations. But um, I figure that um, the traveling really is a perspective expanding exercise um your point about traveling alone um i think there is benefit uh, kind of pros and cons of traveling alone and traveling with friends or traveling with a group uh, it's really kind of um for me it's really a factor of um well, well like if you ask me to travel along to uh, travel alone to i don't know like mm, i don't know which country is in the riots right now like I don't, uh, <laughs> like well, it become a political choice. But anyways, think about you are going to a country that's not necessarily very safe. I would definitely not go alone, right? Like Iran, for example. I I think people will agree that Iran is not the safest country in the in the world, right? Like in general, like I would not travel to Iran on myself, uh, by myself, right? Like, but New Zealand. Um, so it was like I was young and stupid. I didn't think about going with uh, with friends or whatnot. Uh, I was like, oh, it's just like English, probably the same as Britain. But Britain is the UK is my first time. I, I did went with my school because it's an exchange program, right? So like New Zealand is a developed country. Like I was like, there's no uh, and nobody opposed to it. My parents was like, go go go. <laughs> um, so yeah, but but today like. Um, for example, I went to Egypt um, like in 2018 Christmas time frame. Um, that was one of the, the best trips ever in my life. I have been dreamed of going to Egypt since I was like five because uh, I, I, I read a lot of comic books and Egypt was the, 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 the place in discussion there like 
but I went into kind of like um, uh, explosion, uh, like just five minutes away from my hotel, like, right? Like, and I was like, yeah, if it happened, if it will happen, like, it's okay. Like, um, so traveling definitely like there's some risk, but the benefits is massive, I would say. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I think when we spoke, and I can see just by the way you describe it, the value in it, kind of like the, the depth that it's had in your life. And I, and I definitely think it would in, inspire us all to want to at least take the opportunity to expand our horizons. And one of the things I think you mentioned previously when we spoke um, is that there's different phases in a sense to a journey. So there's the exploration phase, the figuring it out, which for you is your travel, your, your initial traveling in New Zealand and UK and your, your time at Wharton. And then it transcends in a way to after the exploration to find where is my product market fit? I think the word we use to describe is human market fit in this world in a sense. And where is my place in this world? How do I figure out what I'm good at? How was it like for you um, towards the end of your time at Wharton with all of these things that you've experienced on campus, learning with them, um, at the same time, having traveled, been very well-traveled, having now come to the US, how was it for you to figure out your next steps? Was it like, did you immediately know, okay, I'm going to do this next, I'm going to, I'm going to like, like start here, I'm going to do this, or was there an element of kind of like exploring as you, you figure out what was your niche, what was the thing that you were good at? Yeah, so I think you're asking career decisions. Um, let me just like rephrase. You have the stages that we uh, kind of you you were just yeah. referring to. So, um, and and by by no means they are sequential or um, linear, right? Like so, the uh, the stages um, in my mind uh, in the start with exploration. Uh, like you need to explore what's out there. Uh, what you're good at. So the, the three circles I have in mind is like, okay, what, you, what you're good at, right? Like what you're interested in and what others want. Others meaning companies like the market, what they value us and whatnot. These are the three bubbles. Exploration is getting a better understanding of three bubbles, right? Like these three bubbles, right? You, you will know gradually through one experience or two, you will know what you're really good at. And you also know like, like the area that you're really interested in, what type of opportunity that you're really interested in. And then you also get a better sense of uh, what companies really value, how you get rewarded or whatnot, right? So these are three bubbles. So the first stage is really to explore and get clarity, um, at least like say in the near term, what those three bubbles for use are, right? Um, the second stage is basically finding the product market fit. In a sense, is um, it's more interesting. Uh, like it's basically finding what the overlap of those three bubbles are. Like say, I'm good, really good at uh, strategy, right? And I'm interested in product management, right? And the, the 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 market really values people who can actually apply strategy to tech products versus just kind of like. Um, this uh, kind of building, building like aspects or whatnot, like technical kind of aspects, right? So that is a perfect match in a sense that because um, there are not that many people who can really uh, translate language between technology and business, right? So I'm really good at strategy. I'm really good at translating that. And I'm interested in product management. That has been my career for like in the past 10 years, right? I'm interested in product management because of the general management aspect to it. And product management has, tech product management has so many opportunities 
um, and and then a lot of people have a lot of company have such great need demand for those skill sets. So that's a perfect product market fit in the sense what you want to do and what others want, right? So um, I think the second stage is a natural kind of like almost like kind of um, the milestone of the first stage that you at after exploration, after experiments, you actually find the product market fit. Yeah, and I think for you that like you also that's exactly what happened to you, right? You you went into the tech industry, you actually started in that stage. And before we go to the third stage, do you mind sharing a little bit about how you found like like how was it like entering the second stage? And I think your first role here was in Amazon, right? As a product manager there. How was it like kind of like uh, like like positioning yourself to get into the door to actually like let people know about the skills you had and how you actually got in and, and started kind of like growing in that space. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say, looking back, I would say my Amazon, ex- my Wharton experience, my Amazon experience, even my as a head of product for a startup, that experience is all about finding the product market fit. Um, so I think in it's in the like later stage of the startup, I know what my product market fit is. Uh, it doesn't mean that I didn't do well when I was in exploring and whatnot. It's just like you you can find a little bit better peace of mind um, after you find a product market fit. So the Wharton stage is um, I actually uh, uh, like like many Wharton students, we apply for all kinds of different jobs, right? Like we apply for consulting. I didn't apply for any investment banking, which is like that's not going to be my life. Like I'm very clear. Um, so there is like consulting, there is VCPE, there is the tech product manager world, uh, kind of management kind of like space. Um, of course, there are others, but the popular ones are, are these, right? Like. Um, so I had management consulting experience and I had uh, FMCG, the farm, uh, fast moving consumer goods, kind of, kind of like Nestle, right? Like um, I have those experiences. So I, w- I was fairly certain I don't want to get to kind of like manufacturer or F- FMCG type of world because the margin is fairly low. So like I was very clear, I cannot get in a job that kind of pay not as well, right? I actually definitely want to get to higher paid kind of industry. So it comes down to me, these three choices, like consulting, VCPE, or tech companies, right? So um, I actually, I actually got offers from consulting, but eventually I found if I compare the offers, it's not so different between tech with tech companies. I did try uh, internship uh, with a VC company, and I figured I want to be in more in the business versus um, playing with money. Uh, so a lot of the VC and PEs, um, I'm not saying they're only kind of manipulating uh, kind of finance uh, assets, financial assets, but that was a very big part of it. There's a lot of financial kind of like. Um, goals that PVC has to have to meet and uh, almost me I actually want to make uh, I want I'm a maker versus just financer like kind of that kind of that idea was very clear like at your identity that at that time it was fairly clear to me that I want to want to do VCMP so now it basically tech companies they pay well enough and it's a very general management type of role that you work with Work with finance, work with marketing, work with 
um, cells work with like all kinds of different people. It work with engineers or whatnot. So it's it's a very diversified um, kind of. I, at that time, I was very clear, like kind of like what I'm interested in doing. I like kind of the general diversity, general management, and diversity of a of a role. So I cannot definitely cannot do accounting. Like I cannot repeat. Like um, so that's me. But uh, my my personality is I cannot. I'm not that patient. Um, I cannot do like the same thing every year like i just even every quarter like i just cannot do that so kind of those learnings get me to like um amazon like and later the startups or whatnot and microsoft so um amazon was a great learning like uh like if anyone just fresh out of um i would say mba or school like um, I would say Amazon is a very great training ground in a, for product management. Um, but get to the real product management in a group. Don't don't get into like say um, like have a product manager role, but uh, main, but uh, you're not doing product management work. Uh, that's a different story, right? So um, I think product management in, in Amazon is. Um, I was there a little over a year, like. Uh, it's just like you probably have three years of experience out of one year and it, it represents how hard working you need to be like you have extra hours and whatnot but it's a very great training ground um, and you you have you make great impact um and I, I was I was part of Kindle I launched a couple of products and uh, made some good friends right like and then I get into head of product role um, with a startup um, at that time I I realized there are things that um, because of the stage of your life and other kind of like contextual constraints, um, not all the opportunities will be a good fit, even though on the uh, on the paper, the role may be a good fit. Uh, for example, the startup that I went into, um, I did a great job in a sense that I changed, the, I helped the startup build up actually a new business uh, in a sense that they, um, but the business model change can no longer um, sustain the. Basically, we need to get rid of some of the existing facilities um, in a sense that, and then my H one B become a kind of a real risk for the company to sponsor. Uh, the company no longer can be eligible for that or whatnot. So for 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 that, it's not a good a good kind of like place for me to stay and whatnot. And then I get to Microsoft after that. Um, so a lot of the kind of like decisions, it's an internal and external kind of drive, drive kind of both are that way. So like, um, but Microsoft is like a perfect place for me. Like I went into a group that's super entrepreneurial, um, almost like not so many matrix and you are, you can make decisions on your own, a very, uh, entrepreneurial team. Um, yeah. And, uh. Uh, seven or eight years down the road, I feel fairly happy with where I am today. No, absolutely lovely. You also mentioned that kind of like the third phase, uh, we were talking, we were going to talk about that. Tell us a little bit about, I think, the acceleration phase where you really like, like figured out what you're good at and then you really apply yourself in that. Tell us about this phase and how you came across it, how it reflected in your experience. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the third phase uh, after product market fit is basically the stage that you are more in a uh, driver's seat in your uh, for your own career. You know what you're good at, 
um, you you may kind of push the boundary a little bit to learn things that you have not learned or whatnot, but you know your core strength competency, and you have clear idea in what type of jobs that you are really interested in doing, right? Like what type of teams you like to what type type of like team member um is a good fit for you as a leader and you also kind of like have a better idea that the type of opportunities that you are you'll be interested in um and um and then there is like kind of the what others values or whatnot right at that time like you have been in that position for a while and then you can actually because these type of opportunities it's not that many but it's not rare either like the the product market fit opportunity for you it's not that many there's not that many type of opportunity, uh, uh, there but it's not rare you can find them right so you can be on those positions for a couple of uh, one or two kind of opportunities or whatnot then you are in the driver's seat to really kind of okay i got all of this now like let's say okay i want to be in so so you can take a braver step around what you are interested in for example like there are people i say hey i can do the exact the same thing but i want twice that salary right i'm making things up like i'm just kind of what you want become more realistic to like kind of it, it, you can realize what you want more e easily that's you when you are in a driver's seat uh it could be like hey i want twice salary uh i want to be in a pre-ipo startup I want to kind of like focus on zero to one product development, which is a kind of like industry term that you just building a new products versus uh, improving existing products, right? So you have an idea, okay, this is a little knob that I want. And because I have already the product market fit and I prove myself in, in the markets, uh, I'm in demand, I can kind of like jump to that point, kind of collect those uh get to what i want relatively easily because early in korea when you're exploring you know, even you just start to find product market fit you don't have too much say um your say only it was in like say when you were before you accept the offer after you accept the offer you're basically kind of like you know <laughs> so like but once you are in a little bit mid-level kind of management kind of a role um you have a little more say you are driving driver's seats uh, and whatnot so and that's the third stage uh, and i have not been to the next stage um <laughs> so i don't know what the next stage is um but what i want to kind of emphasize is don't be afraid to um start zero uh don't be afraid to clear your storage and start zero and kind of say hey this is what i really want and that's my baseline what i don't want to give up but I can give up these things and I want to do this thing, what, what I want. You can get back to, because once you're kind of going that stage, you can get back to the exploration and get back to the product of market fit finding and then kind of like, but, but the getting back that, that, that it give you more personal value, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, what I'm saying is this is a lot, not a sequential or not a linear journey. You can get uh, back and forth, back and forth a couple of times in your life and don't be afraid of that. Um, because, um what's the purpose of life in, in a sense that you want to be happy right you want to be purposeful you want to have make a difference right like um and money or whatnot it, it, they're, in, they're important but i feel like 
but don't be afraid to kind of like go back a little bit finding the fit and do the driver's seat and then like because in in that journey you're learning a ton you're getting you're maximizing your learnings and your personal value in the long run so no, yeah no, very well said. and you're very wise in just kind of like contextualizing all of that in a very easy to understand framework and almost in even for, for you when did you start feeling that you were in the driver's seat of your career of your of the things that you were doing like what, uh, funny, funny, uh, funny enough I, I have a um I have I don't uh, so okay let me put it, I have a couple of mentors um that can also my personal friend like they told me that uh, they're just lucky I, I was discussing career development with them and whatnot um and uh, and she she is one of the Wharton alum as well and she was like hey Sawa um uh, don't be afraid be brave you're in the driver's seat now like but just looking at my uh looking at my uh kind of experience she was looking at my experience my whatnot like, she's like you're in the driver's seat you will um uh, you, you past the time that you kind of like I, I never did, but like you know, you pass the time that you all kind of run out of uh, jobs or whatnot. You pass that long ago. Like um, she, 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 we were joking around it, um, and and then she, she was like, "Hey, you are in the driver's seat." So I don't come up with those theories myself. It was people who are much more experienced than I am give me kind of a little bit of framework, and then I kind of like reflect on that and and I want to share with everyone here to kind of in attempt that to help everyone that uh, have some connection with me right like um so um but I kind of like when she when she said that I kind of reflect that I, I can see why she says that right like because like uh, um versus why I just graduated I, I'm very I'm very clear in terms of what I'm good at I know what type of thing that I don't want to do. So, okay, there's one thing, like, it's not that easy to find what you want to do. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a combination of, okay, what pays you more? Like, what others have been saying? Like, first, like, it's it's not necessarily clear what you want to do. And sometimes you thought you want to do that, and when you try that, the trial is very, when you try that, you feel, oh, that's actually not as, not as fancy as you thought right like so <laughs> it's, it's two ways because um it could be what others like think it's great and you kind of like oh if other things great if i do that I, like you know like it's a little bit ego building like oh you you want something and tried it it does not turn out to be well it's a kind of trial error kind of like time so but for me i know what i'm good at i'm very clear on what i don't want to do um kind of so like a lot of people don't may not be clear in terms of what they want to do, but I will push everyone to kind of really get a good grasp on what you don't want to do, what things that you cannot tolerate, right? Make those things clear because like jobs, like it's like sleeping. You do it every day. It's like what we can, hopefully you do it every day. The things with high frequency, you cannot be in pain for a long time. So, um, so that's why, like, say you you want to be you want to be very clear on what you don't want to do. For me, yes, I I'm very clear what I don't want to do. Like, for example, at the beginning of my career, I know I don't want to do accounting. I just kind of I hire a CPA when I even when I was I don't have money, right? Right? Like, like I just don't want don't want to do that. Um, 
and I never want to try that. And I think that you never even don't want to try, right? Like, um, I, I'm very clear that I don't want to do certain things. Um, and you kind of like have a better sense of how others are evaluating. What are the kind of like framework they're using? You kind of adjust a little bit to make your, um, like the fundamental view that does not change, but you need to kind of package yourself in a way that kind of uh, feels more kind of like uh, matched what others' expectations are. Um, and that's important because um, guess what? It's very hard to make others change. It's easier to make yourself change. Um, so like, yes, those combinations, I kind of like say, hey, that makes sense. I, I am in driver's seat. Um, there are things that here things I would say no now, like, um, and I, I kind of like, I would not accept things that I don't feel meeting my goals. And I've, I have the confidence of not accepting those, right? Like, so yes, um, that's thing, that's when you are in a driver's seat and you kind of have a little bit more control um, of your career. Has there ever been a point in your career or tell us a story maybe of when you chose something that maybe was a misfit for you and how did you go about kind of like correcting it? Like, do you have any stories where it could be maybe something small, a project or a career option? Was there any point in your life where, like, I don't know, because I feel like one of the anxieties that people have when they are in the driver's seat is that they're always worried about making the wrong decision, which I can very much relate to. Have you ever made the wrong decision and then decided or, and then thought, oh, no, what do I do now? Like, tell us a story about that. Um, there is... Uh, I have many stories of that. Um, <laughs> so um, I think I have shared my kind of um, my internship with VC. Uh, uh, I think I think it's it's a VC, not a PE company. VC company. Um, basically, my role was doing a lot of analysis for um, target companies and industries. Right, I was doing that, and um, I figured. Again, like as I shared, um, financial drivers are very, very important for VC and PE on top of uh, kind of supporting entrepreneurs. Um, I mean, that's the VC I was with, um, but there are uh, kind of better VCs that kind of know that startup interest kind of equals um, financial interest, uh, but not every VC are like that, right? So like that was a moment and luckily me, I was only an intern. Uh, I wasn't full time. So like, um, yeah. So at that time I was like, okay, I will, I do not want to do VC or PE. Like, uh, at least not with those, um, that kind of more in terms of driving next round of funding, like for startups, uh, get to the next round, like kind of more, um, process driven versus Hey, what you are doing, uh, how we can help you to do the things that make a bigger difference in the market, for example, like that will be more in, of interest to me versus how do we help you get to the next round of funding? So, like, and I think that that shows a lot about your personal kind of like, um, like, 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 I don't know, ideals and, and kind of like how you stick to your principles. And I think that's why you didn't pursue a career in that arena, particularly. Um, yeah. Tell us about also your time as Microsoft. You were director of one of their products uh, previously in your previous role. You led an entire team from go to market, from, from the conception, from the early stages to the go to market. 
tell us a bit about that whole journey of becoming kind of like a leader because we've seen you grow throughout your story and then now in the leadership position how did all of the things you learned like like enable you to do that role well yeah so i think there are three drivers continuous triggers or drivers that can actually propel your career forward uh like get, whether it's get, getting from a uh, uh, individual contributor role to a more a team leader role or get you from a junior level to senior level to exec level i think for me constantly there are three things one is environments like wharton it's a great environment change for me like i just the, the stage is different after wharton for me right like it's it's um the world-class companies the world-class opportunities uh, like after wharton right so the second thing is really kind of be really intentional to get mentors and establish great relationship with mentors like i said like i just mentioned one of my other mentor who is um 10 years ahead of me and telling what my career stages are like finding those people and really treat them like your um like your uncle or aunt or whatnot like kind of like that's me i i like always think like age means more experience and kind of more wisdoms and um it's actually that's why i look at them as also my like aunt and uncles and, oh of course friends friends as well so people a mentor is the second thing and and the third i felt like is the continuous drive continuous drive to learn um, because you have that continuous drive it, because once you don't have that drive or your drive does not align with what, what you're doing for me it's obvious like for example like when i look at people i work with i can uh it's not good it's actually not good actually, <laughs> okay. people have a um, lot of drive versus not who are just getting jobs done right like um that to me is kind of like uh, a fundamental kind of an like engine for me in a sense the curiosity um the, the the drive to continuous learn it's something that basically uh, keep keep you restless in a good way um i feel those are the three things and that uh, nothing out of those are, are kind of extraordinary or whatnot but not that many people can do it constantly uh and kind of like be mindful of that um so i i think the the career kind of progress like or the the trajectory that you mentioned um it really for me it comes down to these three elements like environments um people and your drive very very well said and as we wind down this conversation i'm very curious to hear what would you like have done differently with all of these years of experience when you were just starting out is there anything that you would have changed or anything that you would have, I don't know, uh, done a little bit um, different from how it turned out and why, in a sense? Yeah, so... Hmm. I think I would love to... Um, Stay, I would uh, I would love myself to stay in micro uh, sorry in Amazon for a little longer um so at that stage I was um 
I can I, I uh, everyone probably know Amazon non-history is the the, the the best place for work work-life balance right like and it's not that if you're in the wrong group um everyone is super nervous everyone is kind of super sensitive um, uh, and Jeff Bezos uh, email you every other week um that is really like kind of like you're in a high tension high kind of like sensitivity kind of like all the time and if you don't have a good manager um kind of uh, at the beginning of your career uh everyone is mind their own uh, own business um it becomes really hard to sustain so um for me it was the moment that i realized that um there is a little bit of a gap in terms of um how i want my manager to support me versus uh kind of how a junior manager kind of is kind of like doing that um there are a lot of kind of and, and then i cannot change within uh, amazon um due to the early policy of amazon that within 16 uh, 18 months you have to get manager approval to change that so so and i made a decision i said hey or i didn't make any efforts in a sense that i want to trans, 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 transit inside amazon uh, like uh, change a team inside amazon um but i felt like like i said amazon at least in my years like that was like in 2012 or 2013 one year of amazon experience is almost like three years in auto tech company it's actually real like i, I can clearly feel that um i would i would talk to my younger self and just don't give up too early and try another round and see what happened there's it cannot be worse than where you are so like um, i would like to tell tell her that and do another kind of like effort because like the the manager employee mismatch um it's 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 very hard to unwind don't don't tangle on that particular knot but also don't give up uh, on the company so um well well but the reality is most uh, almost all my classmates except for one still stays in, in amazon after i like most people actually leave before i left before i do like so um and it's nothing about competency or kind of like a, you uh, this as a person it's basically um amazon is not for everyone it's a, there's a fit kind of like um discussion there um but if you find a good great group Amazon is a great company to grow. Um, and if you're in like three or five years in Amazon, uh, like I was just talking to a, one of my software engineering friends who, who has been in Amazon for 10 years. He was like, after 10 years in Amazon, you can get any jobs. Maybe true. <laughs> um, but I think the learning is um, maybe a passing word is um, you have uh, try to develop the peace of mind don't be afraid of certain setups uh, setbacks kind of like don't be afraid that especially in the early days don't be afraid to make mistakes don't be afraid of failure like take your steps uh work hard take your steps and um eventually time can tell um like for, for me at that time was like i was like fidget like oh like 
this is not a good fit and kind of I'm doing working really hard I'm doing a good job but um like why kind of there's a misfit or whatnot I was kind of questioning those um and I said okay so if she does not allow me to to move around I'll just move externally and whatnot so um but stick to it for, for a bit longer try different ways and um and don't be afraid um that's probably like the um kind of the, the best advice I can, I can give everyone very very well said and I think you wrapped up our session very well and I don't know you are just someone who's so wise who just sees things so clearly that I'm very grateful to have had you on the show to put into perspective I think many things or many different thoughts that people probably have as they go through these three stages as you said in a non-linear way and are reiterating and reinventing what they're good at and figuring themselves out so thank you so much for joining us um I hope you enjoyed being a guest on the show it was amazing to talk to you and see things from your perspective and I really do hope we get to chat soon again and see the amazing things that you'll achieve at Microsoft and I think wherever your career takes you cool thank you so much Tasha nice to talk with everyone all right. And with that, our episode of Changing Reality today comes to a close. Thank you all to our amazing audience for sticking with us and for um, watching the show today. So if you like Changing Reality, we're on every Thursday at 10 p.m. ET um, from WQHS Radio at the University of Pennsylvania and whatever time zone that is around the world for all of you as well. So thank you for tuning in once again. And this is us signing off. Bye. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.